This episode is brought to you by CLA. Here's your money briefing for Monday, March 6th. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. More people are adding third-party apps to prevent them from making impulsive money moves while scrolling through their phones. It interrupts that process and says, take a deep breath. What's your intention in using this app? And then you either learn to hate the app because it's getting in the way of what you want to do, or you kind of train yourself to stop using that app as much. Wall Street Journal personal finance reporter Amani Moise has been looking into these software programs. She'll join us after the break. When it comes to planning for the future, taxes and wealth advisory tend to be viewed as two separate conversations. But some things are just better together. That's why at Clifton Larson Allen, they call it 12th. Here's Clayton Bland, Chief Wealth Advisory Officer at CLA. More often than not, all of the decision-making around the tax relationship are predicated on things that have happened in the past. An investment advisory relationship would be something that's looking at, hey, what are your future goals? How can we allocate capital to help you achieve those goals? So when we talk about 12, tax and wealth together, that's really what we provide at CLA with that combination of both professionals. It provides for the necessary information to make the decision that will have the best impact on you, both from a goal standpoint of my portfolio and also from a tax consequence standpoint of when I file my tax return. Visit CLAConnect.com for more insights from Clifton Larson Allen. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. People who manage their bank account or trade stocks with investment apps are adding software to discourage them from making impulsive decisions with their money. Wall Street Journal personal finance reporter Amani Moise joins us to talk about the programs and how they allow people to take a digital pause. Amani, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So Amani, this type of software sounds familiar. Where have we seen this before? I think this kind of software became really popular to address social media addiction. People who kind of were finding they were spending hours and hours maybe scrolling through Instagram or Twitter when they felt they could better use that time doing other things. So how is that adapted into people's personal finances? I think as more of our lives is being managed on our phones, a lot of the apps or programs that we're using, they're designed to be really, really engaging. So whether or not it's keeping tabs on what the market is doing, just the ability to know at any time of day whether your portfolio is up or down, that can be really addicting. Or checking internet forums to see if you can get tips that will maybe give you an edge in the stock market. All of these things kind of provide a thrill, and having it in the palm of your hand makes it hard to turn off sometimes. So what some people have started to do after realizing that they may have a problem and they want to spend less time on these apps is they force themselves to take a break up to 20 seconds just to calm themselves down and say, what's my intention here? What is it that I want to be doing? And the way it works, it's a third party app. There's a few apps that do this is you install it and then you say, hey, every time I open, whether or not it's a brokerage like Robinhood or Coinstats, which is a forum, it interrupts that process and says, take a deep breath. What's your intention in using this app? And then you either learn to hate the app because it's getting in the way of what you want to do, or you kind of train yourself to stop using that app as much. So what are some examples of this type of software? 
So one app that's really popular is called OneSec. So that's the app that actually works with your iPhone to interrupt that process and it has a few options. So either it asks you to take a deep breath or it opens up your front camera and forces you to look at yourself so that you could confront what it is that you're about to do. And you could even set it up to direct you to different things, whether it's directing you to a podcast that you like to listen to, or maybe a news app where you could consume more curated content, or even just telling you to take a walk. Wow. So the software wants the person to just take a look at themselves. It's almost like it wants the person to guilt themselves into making a better decision. Absolutely. I actually downloaded it. And it's really funny because when you're opening up your app, it's always at that super unflattering angle. And you're kind of forced to look at yourself in this state and reevaluate whatever it is that you're about to do. Wow. Now you mentioned a 20 second time period a moment ago. What's the significance of 20 seconds? So I think 20 seconds, it doesn't sound like it's that long, but in smartphone time, it's forever because we're so used to getting things instantly, opening an app, tapping a message and having it automatically appear. So once you're slowing down that process, it kind of forces the other part of your brain to kick in. So I talked to some researchers and psychologists that say when we open our smartphone, the automatic side of our brain kicks in. So it's not an active decision-making process. We're more passively consuming whatever is on the phone. But once you slow down, it allows the other side of your brain that's responsible for critical thinking and more thorough decision-making to take over and reevaluate. But what does the software mean for the financial apps? You know, in a lot of cases, their business model is based on people making all these transactions buying and selling stocks, adding to a savings account, adding to a checking account. And if there's this interference being run between the user and the financial app, what does that mean for the financial apps business? I think on the surface, it's easy to say it's bad for the business model, right? Because you're seeing these customers kind of retaliate against the design choices that maybe reward riskier behavior or more active use. However, Based on some consultants in the industry that I was speaking to, that mindset is starting to change and more companies are starting to realize that what you really want to kind of induce with your design or encourage with your product design is sustainable behavior instead of just maximal behavior. Because when you go for the maximal behavior, your customers can end up being burnt out. And when they get burnt out, they do things like install third-party apps to prevent themselves from using your product, which is obviously should be no company's end goal. Yeah, to be sure, the guardrails can be useful, but there are times when people don't need interference between them and their money or making transactions, right? Yeah, I think when you look back at kind of the way fintech has evolved over the last decade, so much of it has been about removing friction, removing guardrails, making it faster. And I think with good reason, there's no reason why so much of commerce in this country needs to continue to be done on paper checks, right? It should be easier. It should be faster. Payments is one area where you've seen a lot of innovation around when it comes to things like Venmo and being able to split a bill at dinner or quickly pay your babysitter without having to write a physical check. However, according to some research in the industry, when it comes to big purchases, really important financial decisions, whether that's getting a mortgage or saving for retirement, people actually prefer friction. They prefer obstacles and they want that process to be slower. And that's how companies can really build trust. But is that 20 second delay enough to stave off all bad habits when it comes to accessing money? What other methods could people consider? 
So I think one of the consultants that I spoke to made a really great point in that he said the people who are downloading these apps, and yes, they're increasing in number, but he described it as still marginal behavior because you have to be very self-aware to realize that you have a problem and then go research options to do something about it to then take that step. But they say that marginal behavior is reflective of a problem that a lot of people feel. So I think acceptance is the first step. But if you're not ready to accept that you have a problem, you probably just continue doing that behavior until some sort of external stimulus comes. So maybe it's a loved one that comes in and says, hey, I feel like you're being reckless with our money, if that's your wife or your kids. And then that would inspire that person to seek help. So one of the psychologists that I spoke to said that she's seen a meaningful uptick in people seeking treatment for day trading addiction, but the people seeking treatment, they typically don't come to her until they're already in crisis. And it's really important for more people to kind of be aware and stop it before getting to that point where you want to see a professional. Wow. You're talking about addictions. You're talking about family interventions. This sounds like it's pretty serious. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just that mindset when we open our phones that it just feels less serious. Like think about writing an email. When you're shooting off a quick email on your phone, maybe you don't proofread it as carefully or it's a shorter response. But for a really important email, you want to be at your computer and making that decision. So I think it's really important to realize that when you're on these apps managing your money, you could be managing your child's tuition fund or your retirement savings. So you need to make those decisions with the same slow mindset. So it's really important to just take a deep breath and realize just because you can make a certain transaction within seconds doesn't mean that you should. And sometimes you just take a deep breath and slow down. All right. That's Wall Street Journal personal finance reporter Amani Moiz. Amani, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And that's your Money Briefing. I'm J.R. Whalen for The Wall Street Journal. This episode is brought to you by CLA. 